I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 485 of the podcast. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, today's guest is author Brad Miner. Brad's best-selling book, The Complete Gentleman, The Modern Man's Guide to Chivalry, is now available in its third print run with a revised third edition. The book is currently a number one new release on Amazon. I think this book is needed now more than ever as the role of the father and masculinity continue to be weakened in our society. In Brad's book, The Complete Gentleman, he invites you to discover the oldest and best model of manhood, the gentleman. He lays out the thousand-year history of this forgotten ideal and makes a compelling case for its modern revival. He focuses on three main characteristics here in the book made up of the warrior, the lover, and the monk. The link to The Complete Gentleman is in today's show notes. Brad Miner will be here with me in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. And today's interview with Brad Miner was recorded on video and is available for you guys to watch on my YouTube channel. So if you'd like to watch today's conversation, please subscribe to First Class Fatherhood on YouTube. The link is in the description of today's podcast episode. All right, you guys have heard my interview with Navy SEAL Jocko Willink on First Class Fatherhood. Now I have teamed up with Jocko and you guys can benefit. Jocko's new energy drink, Go, is crushing it right now in the energy drink market. He also has his popular Mulk protein drink and all of his Brazilian jiu-jitsu gear that is available on originmain.com. You guys can now save 10% on your order by using the promo code LACE10. So go visit originmain.com, use the promo code LACE10, and you guys can save 10% on all of Jocko's products. All right, so make sure you take advantage of that. Make sure you're following me on Instagram at Alec underscore Lace. We just kicked off the month of June here, which is going to be a phenomenal month of guests that I'm bringing you guys here uh, as we will celebrate Father's Day later in the month. So follow me on Instagram at Alec underscore Lace as I will be making all these blockbuster guest announcements uh, for you guys to check out. If you're enjoying the podcast, please hit me with a rating or review. That always goes a long way to help me out. And as always, guys, please help me spread the word about the podcast. Every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list, let them know about the show that's here celebrating fatherhood and family life. Fatherhood rocks, family values rule and every day is Father's Day right here with me and I'm going to be right back with Brad Miner. I'm Alec Lace and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, you have heard my interview with Navy SEAL Jocko Willink right here on First Class Fatherhood. Now I have teamed up with Jocko and you guys can benefit. Jocko Willink has got an elite lineup of energy drinks, apparel, supplements, protein shakes, and so much more available at OriginMain.com. That's O-R-I-G-I-N-M-A-I-N-E.com. And you guys can save 10% off your order by using the promo code LACE10. Visit OriginMain.com or hit the link in the show notes and check out Jocko's awesome lineup of Go Energy drinks, milk, protein, and so much more. Crafted in America, built to work, made for life. If Jocko Willink is putting his name on it, you better believe it's a quality product. So go visit OriginMain.com and use the promo code LACE10 and you're going to save 10% off your order. There's only one Jocko Willink, but there are multiple Jocko Willink products on OriginMain.com. Visit OriginMain.com or hit the link in today's show notes. Use the promo code LACE10. Save 10% off and go get some. Uh, joining me now, First Class Father, Brad Miner. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Hey, it's great to be with you, Alec. Let's start right here. How many kids do you have? How many grandkids? Two sons, one granddaughter. Wow, very cool. All right. Uh, if you could, Brad, please just take a second here to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do. 
Yeah, I'm a senior editor of a website called The Catholic Thing, and I'm a senior fellow of the Faith and Reason Institute, which is located in Washington, D.C. I actually am in Pelham Manor, New York. That's where I live, but it's the Internet age. So I get down to Washington now and then, not much during the pandemic, needless to say. But um, And before that, I was literary editor of National Review magazine and uh, had a long career as an editor in the book publishing business. And I've written six books, seven books, I guess now, and the most recent of which is a third edition of the book we're going to talk about in part today, which is called The Complete Gentleman, which is subtitled The Modern Man's Guide to Chivalry. Yeah, and we're going to get right into that in a minute here, Brad. So let me just bring it back to the beginning for you here. About how old were you when you first became a dad, and how did becoming a father kind of change your perspective on life? Well, I was uh, 40 when my older son was born, uh, 42 when my younger son was born. It, um, and it actually, fatherhood began changing my life before my sons were born, because I realized in my mid-30s, hadn't been married until then, that I really wanted to be a dad. Um, I, I'd enjoyed very much being my father's son. And, um, and so I began imagining these young men. Of course, I didn't know whether they'd be young men or not. But in any case, um, part of the reason why it's such a joy to have a granddaughter now. Uh, and by the way, the new edition of the book is dedicated to her. So any, anyway, it, it, um, it brought me into a place psychologically, spiritually, emotionally, where I knew I needed to be completely dedicated to them and to my wife. I think when I first got married, I wasn't sure. I knew I wanted to marry her. I love her very much and have for the, the last 37 years. But I'm not sure that I really understood what I was getting myself into. But that built very quickly. And especially when uh, her name is Sydney, when Sydney got preg pregnant, um, then I, I knew that suddenly everything had to come together for me. And there needed to be particularly, and this is an aspect of the character of the complete gentleman, um, loyalty. Loyalty is sort of the first of the chivalric virtues that I discuss in the book. It is essential. I knew that they needed to depend on me and that I would be there for them every step of the way. And that's the way it has been. Yeah, very well said, Brad. And a big part of the show, what I do here is I bring on these guys that have accomplished so much in their life, yet they state that it's been through the experience of becoming a father that's given them the greatest sense of fulfillment in life. And I think far too often we see, I especially here, uh, I drive Uber on the weekends for, for many years, and it's uh, I, I listen to these young men that have this terrible outlook on, on becoming a father, starting a family. They, th they look at it as something they should avoid and put off at all costs, uh, and, and it's not something they want to embrace. And I think we got to get that philosophy changed around somehow and i love what you're doing here with the complete gentleman uh hit my listeners with a little bit about this this is the third edition that you're doing here the modern uh, man's guide to chivalry uh, what is the book about what can the readers expect when they get it and why did you decide to write it i had been with my older son when he was about 10 years old yes at a um a screening of Titanic, James Cameron's blockbuster movie. And there's a scene in that film in which the character playing Benjamin Guggenheim, a real man who died on, on that big boat on, in um, 1912, he comes up dressed in his finery, 
like white tie and tails, and along with his manservant, who's also dressed fine, finely. And a steward says to them, Mr. Guggenheim, you've got to get on a life jacket. This boat's about to sink. And he said, yes, I know. We're dressed in our best, though, and prepared to go down like gentlemen. Back in the theater, a few rows, there were some young people who began to laugh. And I thought to myself, why on earth would they laugh? And I, I knew right away that it was the word gentleman that caused them to laugh. Now, partly it was that he was dressed the way he was, but they thought he was absurd. What I thought I was seeing was an expression of courage and a certain kind of aplomb that to some extent we've, we've lost these days. So that and a few other things got me thinking this would be a good idea. A publisher had reached out to me and said, we'd love to, to publish a book by you. We don't really care what the book is. We, we want it to be a book by you. And this was right after this had happened in the theater. And so I just said, well, what about a book about how to be a gentleman and what a gentleman is and the history of gentlemen's gentlemen? And, and indeed, they said yes right away. And so off I went. This was back in about... Uh, 1999. Yeah, and so much of this, uh, obviously, I think in our culture here, Brad, it ha has been lost. I mean, a lot of this uh, entire thing we're seeing right now, uh, the term toxic masculinity is constantly being thrown around. They're making it seem almost as if it's uh, shameful to be uh, proud to be a man or to be a masculine man. They're making that seem as if that's something that's a horrifying thing. And, and to me, I, I don't really understand what toxic masculinity is. I really don't get what they're trying to get across there. To me, I talk about the fatherless crisis on my show a lot. We have so many kids growing up without a father or a father figure in their life, and that's having a devastating result on our society. So to me, uh, a toxic man would represent somebody that has children and walks away from that responsibility. To me, I would consider that to be uh, a toxic type of man. What, what is your view here on this toxic masculinity and what is that doing to our culture here? It's hurting our culture tremendously and the concept itself is nonsense. I know that there are bad men out there. When it comes to fathers, there were some great fathers. I think I was a great father. My sons think I was a great father. But I know that I've known a number of men, particularly professional men, who've been indifferent fathers, haven't spent a lot of time with their sons haven't seen themselves as key in developing the character of these young men who are now in their charge, boys who will become men. But there's nothing toxic about the relationship between fathers and sons. It's essential. We know from just the way the world is created, whether you're taking a religious view or a secular view, it's obvious that men and women are made for one another for the purpose of having children. And so whether it's sons or daughters or sons and daughters, the responsibility of a man to do that, to embrace that role, also to be, I think, a good husband, which is what the very best situation is for these children, that's essential. It is at the heart of civilization. You can't imagine life without the coupling of men and women and the and the 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 coming into life of, of children. Without that, we have nothing. Now, there are a lot of people, of course, part of what's behind the whole toxic masculinity thing is a certain kind of worldview that says, you know what the pr problem with the earth is? People. We pollute, we crowd, we do all sorts of things that we really shouldn't be doing. So the earth would be better without us. But I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that's so 
utterly and is existentially self-destructive, it makes no sense. Yeah, I guess we would never know if it was or not. If we were all gone, we'd never know if the earth made it better or if it made it worse. You know, there'd be nobody around to tell. But uh, well, I do, nature, I, nature is plenty. Uh, nature is is plenty rough, too. There, there's a lot of toxicity in in nature. I mean, uh, you know, it's red in tooth and claw, as you know, a, a philosopher of the Middle Ages once described it. That's what nature is. Nature is tough. Yeah, 100%, Brad. And, and I've had, listen, I've had gay dads on the show here, and it's a, even though that, that, you know, that they're raising their children with two men instead of a, a husband and a wife, they still take on these roles. They're still taking on, uh, there's a softer role and a harder role. I think no matter who decides to play what role, um, you, you know, children need to have both sides of that coin growing up. And, and if they don't get it, uh, I think that's what we're seeing. Like I referred to the fatherless crisis. If you don't have, I grew up as a, as a kid, hey, wait till your father gets home. And that was enough of a threat to make me say, hey, maybe I should think twice before I do this. And when you don't have that kind of discipline or that kind of um, a threat, uh, I think it makes you feel like you can just get away with anything and there's no consequences. We've seen this. Every kid gets a trophy philosophy that's been a colossal failure in our culture. And, and, and then it leads into uh, the adulthood. Now we see so many people that expect uh, to do nothing and get rewarded for it. We're seeing that with the unemployment right now. People would rather stay home and collect money than go out and work and get something as a result. So I, I think that we see that starting at the young age with the kids. And as uh, speaking about discipline, what type of disciplinarian were you as a dad with the kids growing up? And is is that different than the discipline style that you grew up with? Well, yeah, in, in one regard, I got spanked a lot when I was a, a little boy. Uh, I never spanked my sons. I don't I don't believe in that. I don't think it's helpful. Um, I spoke sharply to them on many occasions um, when I thought they were doing things that were not helpful to the family, not not good for themselves. Um, but I think discipline for us in this house was always a matter of putting things in the appropriate order each day, the time for rising, the, the speed with which they would be able to get ready for school when they got to school age. Um, but also, there was always stro a strong intellectual discipline in our house. My wife, is a, that was a, she's retired now, but was a very well-known editor. I was also, uh, both in magazine and book publishing. Um, and so w their lives growing up were filled with books. And it was a, the best part of every day for the four of us when when we would sit down together to read. And we read book after book after book from the time they were toddlers right up until we used to have them together in one bedroom in this house in bunk beds. And when they got to be about middle school age, we realized it was important to give them their own room. So we split the bunk beds and put them into different rooms. And by that time, they were both voracious readers, and so they were. They had plenty of books stacked up in their rooms to read, and and I went to every practice, dropped them off anyway. You don't want to if you're a dad. Best not to hang around the practices. Better you know you go to the games, but don't hang around the practices too much. Um, and and we shared some athletic stuff together. We 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 all three did martial arts together, and. Um, you know, that to me, building specific kinds of discipline, intellectual and physical, helps in terms of the moral ordering of their lives. And um, and also, of course, around the dinner table, there was always lively conversation, but real attention to table manners, because manners are minor morals. 
you know, they, they're, they're sort of your introduction into how you're going to behave around other people. And, and so that's sort of a di- quick description of what discipline was like in the minor house. Yeah, good stuff, Brad. And I love what you say there. Yeah, sitting at the dinner table and praying before dinner is the most important part of my day. It's it's the best part. I have four kids myself, so the six of us always eat dinner together. And, and what you said there about reading, I'm a big reader myself, and I've tried to give that to my kids as well. And that's another one of these things where I, I'll, I'll ask a lot of these young guys to get into the car when I'm driving Uber. I, and and there a lot of them are college, in college or just post-college. And I'll ask, hey, what book are you reading? And they always think it's a joke. Like the kids, they're not reading. They don't have an interest in it. Um, and I think that that's another thing that we're seeing that's um, and that's causing some issues as well. And um, you, you mentioned here about your faith and all that stuff, too. Like I mentioned, I, I, we pray before dinner every day together. Um, how important has your faith been in uh, how much of a role did it play in your upbringing of your kids? Oh, a lot, because, uh, of course, it's reflected really in everything I do. Um, they were older when I, I was, for a couple of years, very sick. And um, my faith sustained me through a couple of different uh, cancer treatments. And, um, and, and they observed that, um, as I say, somewhat from a distance. They were both in college at that point, um, and even out, actually, in, in case of my older son, who went to West Point. Um, and, you know, I, but they know, you know, dad is going to church today. You know, they would come w- with me on Sundays, but not necessarily during the week. As a Roman Catholic, we, I have an opportunity to go to Mass a couple of times a day, you know, every day, if I want to, you only go once a day, you know, at most, but nonetheless, um, they watched that. And they also understood that I saw God as the ordering principle in not just my life, but our lives. And um, I'm often asked in talking about this book, whether or not I think an atheist can be a gentleman. And I think he can, but part of the reason he can is because he grew up in this culture which is, you know, whether you agree with it or not, is suffused with the Judeo-Christian point of view about life. And so most people have a moral sense that's based on either Judaism or Christianity in the United States. And obviously our, our new, mostly new Muslim residents also have a moral background uh, that is very important to them. And uh, so all of that is in culture. So Exposing them to culture for me and in the books we read, C.S. Lewis, for instance, The Chronicles of Narnia, was one of the, the key um, books. And, and his book, Mere Christianity, and, and other things that, that we read that were, as I say, suffused with faith, I think it's a very important part of their, not only their upbringing, but their character today, even though neither of my sons is as religious as their dad. Well, I, I agree with you, and, and I think that uh, combining that with what I said, like the father of this issue that we have, also God has been removed from so much of our society here. I think those two things alone, uh, if we could strengthen both of those, I think th- that all these issues that we're seeing would start to go away. I mean, I think we're focusing on all these other social issues, but at the core of it is our nuclear families and our faith. And if we just strengthen those, I think we're going to we'll do ourselves a, a, a big, big justice. And, and and the important thing for me here, Brad, my oldest is 15. Uh, I have 13, 10, and 6. And my, my most important goal here, my th- I have three boys. I, I want them to get to the position where 
when they go to somebody else's house to date a woman or to date a girl, that their parents will come away impressed and feel comfortable that, hey, I, I'm all right with this guy dating my daughter. I want them to be that. I want them to have those morals, those values, the please, the thank you, to, to, to represent themselves um, as gentlemen. And that, that's my goal as a dad, to bring them up. And, and you've been there and, and done that yourself. You've got a grandkid. Uh, how did you kind of handle it when your boys became old enough to hit that dating scene? What kind of advice did you give them or how did you kind of navigate them through those times? Well, that that um, respect for others begins with self-respect. Taught them that they needed to have a vision of their future. And, you know, a pregnant girlfriend is not the vision of the future you want. Um, a, a girlfriend who says he's a creep is not the kind of, you know, person you want to be. Um, I would always in, inform them that they should not get lost in the eyes of, of another person. They should retain their dignity and their individuality, but recognizing that it's always important in the first instance to put others first. And as long as that self-respect you have is reflected in respecting other people, then I think you're fine. And, um, and so we you know we had a sex talk at one point because you gotta do that. Um, but more important, it was a matter of recognizing that you must not objectify the individual across from you. You have to try and see from inside that person, you know, because it, with particularly teenage girls, I think it's, it's a volatile mix, a teenage boy and a teenage girl. She's still searching for identity. He's now, you know, feeling the power of, of what's welling up inside of him, so to speak. And um, I think they got it. They both got it. Um, and uh, it was, you know, when my older son got married, uh, back in 2018, um, I mean, his his in-laws were just so thrilled, you know, to, to get this young man, you know, a former former army officer and, a, you know, just a he's he's a marvelous guy. Uh, and as so many West Pointers are. Yeah. Awesome stuff, Brad. And, and then getting right back into the book here, uh, the, the Complete Gentleman. What is the, the third edition? What is the uh, separates this from the previous editions of the book and where can the listeners find it? Well, Amazon's always the best place to find things I've, I've found. Um, the big differences are, first of all, that the book had gone out of print. And so it was important for me to, to get it back into print. But a lot of the things that we've talked about, um, toxic masculinity, um, the rise of, of a kind of irresponsible politics, the Toxicity in our politics, the degradation of people are able to have on subjects of religion and politics. There's a lot more of that in, in this third edition than there were either in the second edition or, or the, the original book. And, and um, you know, I try with this book not just to be prescriptive, but descriptive. So I begin by talking about Titanic, about that incident in the in the theater but also about what happened on that night in april the the uh, 14th and 15th 1912 um and and what it meant for people to give up their lives for others and then i i talk about three archetypes in the book the warrior the lover and the monk and i tell the history from the earliest glimmerings of chivalry in the middle ages right up until the 21st century examples of what has been good and what has not been good, because it isn't always a happy story. I'm not. I'm not trying to 
you know, cheer people up. It's important to look level-eyed right at the truth. But this grand tradition that began with chivalry, Knights of the Round Table and all of that, right up until, you know, the, the warrior ethos in the 19th and 20th centuries, um, and up and up, up till today. And I, I don't believe that every man, I think the warrior ethos is very important. It's a very important part of, of what I'm calling the complete gentleman, because he is a modern chivalrous man. And chivalry was always first and foremost, the worldview of fighting men. But you don't have to be a martial artist or a soldier, a Marine, a, an aviator, a sailor. You, you can be someone who simply works hard to make the world a better place that you it need you need a warrior mentality for that and so uh and then the the lover's pretty obvious the, the dynamic between men and women has also changed and changed even more so over the last five or six years than be than back when i first started writing the book in 1999 and so i needed to address all of that bring it up to date and um and now i have a great publisher in regnery gateway and i'm very pleased with what's happening i'm talking to you you know how bad could it be yeah. Hey, listen, I, I think it's so needed in our society, and our culture right now. We got to bring the gentleman back. I mean, I, I think, like I say, I, I try to lead by example with my kids. They see the way I treat their mom. And I just try, you know, just the little things, holding the door open for for, uh, for, for a girl, making her walk on the inside of the, sh on the sidewalk when you're walking down the street. Just exactly. these simple things, uh, trying to just drill into them now. So hopefully it stays with them for, uh, you know, in the future. And uh, we definitely need it. We, we, we definitely need strong men back in our society here. I love what you're doing and what you bring to the table what's next for you here brad you got any other uh books in the work here what kind of goals you have here for yourself for the future yeah i'm writing a novel um i, I i've decided that i want to i'm sort of I, I knew uh slightly tom wolf um the, the great american novelist um you know who wrote bonfire of the vanities is his most famous novel i think but in any case tom made, was a great nonfiction writer wrote a lot of nonfiction books including the right stuff and then he got to a point in his life where he said, you know what, I don't, I don't want to do all that research and stuff. I'm just going to draw on my experiences and tell stories. And that's what I want to do. The Complete Gentleman, in all its editions, but especially in the third, is full of stories. Some of them come from my life. Some come from, from other lives. Some come from, I mean, the, 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 the bibliography runs to six or eight pages in the book. And I, I cite 150 different sources that I uh, you know, that I studied during the, the writing of the book. But but I, I think now I just want to take it easy at my own pace, not be under any deadlines. I'm on a deadline every day at the Catholic thing because I'm, I'm the one sort of who works on the back end and gets all the columns that we publish. We publish a new column every day. And so it's my responsibility to, to get that into our, our back end software and also to add in a, a, a piece of beautiful art every day. Because a part of the grand tradition of of Christian culture is the art that has been created, so we we try and emphasize that. So anyway, that's that's uh, that's what it's up to. I'm trying to take it easy. I'm 73 years old, so you know I'm at a point in my life where it, it's time for me to. I'm not going to retire exactly, but it's time for me to take it a little bit easier. Well, you're still crushing it, Brad. So it's great to see what you're doing, what you got coming up. And the last thing I want to hit you with here, I'd love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast, uh, what type of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about-to-be father who's out there listening? You'll, you won't be a new dad long. You, you just cannot imagine how quickly they change. I see it in my granddaughter now. We, we, um, we, 
we, we, we do a Zoom call every Sunday with them. They live in Denver right now. And um, we see her changing dramatically. You've got to be there. You've got to be present. You've got to give time. It's not an accomplishment simply to have been a father in the, in the biological sense. You have to be a father in the emotional, spiritual, and intellectual sense as well. You've got to be with your children. And that's the, the best advice I can give. Yeah, very well said. I love the message. This has been a lot of fun for me. I got to say, Brad Miner, you're a first-class father all the way. And thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time here on First Class Fatherhood. My pleasure, Alec. Thank you for having me on. Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to Brad Miner for giving me a few minutes of his time here. That was so cool. Please hit me up on Twitter, guys, or drop me a DM on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. I always love to read your feedback. Make sure you lock it into my Instagram account, at Alec underscore Lace. I've got some incredible guests that will be joining me here later this month. Make sure you find out who they are. That's all I got for you guys today. I'm Alec Lace. Thank you for listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers. Tall as a tree, I saw feeling.